Welcome to worship at North Decatur Presbyterian Church. Welcome into beloved community. Wherever you are, however you found us, we hope that you will be acknowledged and known and that you flourish here. We welcome all. Find our worship bulletin and the sermon text at ndpc.org. Members and visitors are welcome to join us again next week for Christian Education for Children at 8.45 a.m. and for adults at 9.30 a.m. We meet at 10.30 for fellowship time and for worship at 11 a.m., all at ndpc.org. Our first scripture reading is Psalm 133. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessing, life forevermore. Our second scripture reading is Acts 4, 32 through 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. The 15th Amendment, known as the Voting Rights Act of 1965, granted black men the right to vote. But exercising that right became a challenge, and it will be another challenge because our governor, Brian Kemp, signed a law called the Election Integrity Act of 2021 that disproportionate people of color. Following the 15th Amendment, Blacks were made to take a literacy test. If they failed the test, which most of them did, due to oppression and poverty, they could not vote. Afterwards, Black codes were created to keep colored people dependent on whites to pay them for what was known as cheap labor. Sometimes blacks were arrested if they could not provide proof that they held a contract job. And if they were not arrested, they were made to work on plantations for free as a penalty in order to pay for their crime. There has always been a limit 
on black freedom, there has always been a limit on unity. But in today's passage, there is much to say about our community in light of this matter. Our passage for today sits between two difficult passages. The preceding passage reveals the beginning of the struggle for the gospel. The difficulties one may encounter as a disciple of Jesus Christ. For instance, Peter and John began healing a crippled beggar, which led them to speak boldly about the power of Jesus through their acts of healing. Afterwards, Peter and John were arrested because they continued to heal and speak in Jesus' name and continued to do so after their release from prison amid difficulties. The following passage reveals Ananias and Sapphira not following the believer's example of discipleship by neglecting unity in which the believers embody. Our focus text is in the middle passage, which reveals a community of believers sharing possessions by modeling unity in heart and in soul by living the resurrection message of Jesus Christ. This story takes place in Jerusalem after Peter and John was released from prison and presented themselves before the council. Following, the apostles gave their testimony about the resurrection of Jesus the givers, those of one heart and one soul, believed in the resurrection. Therefore, they willingly sold their belongings without strife to meet the needs of those who were in great need. They received great earnings from their sale and laid it all at the apostles' feet. As a result of their giving, everyone's need was met and there was no one who had more than the other. The believers are presented in this story by what they did. Their belief in the resurrection of Jesus compelled them to act, to do good deeds for others. This passage is about selflessness. There are similar stories in Acts that reveals a life among the believers. They worshiped together, ate together, and went out into the community together, searching for those with different circumstances than their own and helping them, building them up as members of Christ's body. The believers had at least one thing in common. They were a reflection of Christ's giving. 
Jesus became poor. He humbled himself so that we could become rich toward God. The grace given by God from God's self and through our neighbors. We are expected as Christians to model after Christ's giving. They gave, they healed, they loved because they were one. As Christians, we believe God calls the entire universal church into unity with God's self and with our neighbors. When Christ died, our old selves died with him. That is the barriers we tend to create that divide us and make things harder for our brothers and sisters. We allow racism, violence, hatred, and oppression to flourish. We allow these things to happen because we are living in disunity. Psalm 133 describes unity as good and pleasant when people come together as one, like those in Acts, with one heart and one soul. This unity is so good that it is like the precious oil running down priest Aaron's beard. This pouring of oil represents holiness and hospitality. Unity is described as the dew of Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion, a location where people gather to receive God's blessings and comfort. This location is God's dwelling place. Our lives will be in harmony with others when we gather together in our sacred spaces, like the pilgrims and Psalms and like the believers in Acts. Because when we gather with one heart and one soul, God will begin to dismantle all forms of oppression in that sacred moment. We become unstiff and unmovable when we allow these sins to happen. We turn the other way because we believe we don't need to associate ourselves with what is broken or what is abnormal in our society. When actually this brokenness and abnormality has everything to do with us. This new voting act in Georgia has everything to do with us. It is now a crime to offer food and drink to someone who is a voter standing in line. This is more than just a bottle of water and a bag of chips. This is an attack on unity. Our faith leaders protested at the state capitol. One of the leaders 
who was well known, the pastor at Columbia Presbyterian Church right here in Decatur, Georgia, stood among the other believers voicing their concerns. Not only did they voice their concerns, but they left bottles of water as a reminder that all should love thy neighbor. The protesters held signs. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. Whoever gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, I truly tell you, none of these will lose their reward. The believers at the state capitol stood together, voiced their concerns together, and prayed together, making it visible that what was signed into law was not of unity. Just like the believers at the state capitol, the pilgrims in Psalm 133 came together as a family. Men, women, children, and people with different abilities were all together on this journey. Now the text does not give us information on where they have been in life, whether they have been traumatized in any manner, nor do we know if some were partially impaired in their hearing, seeing, moving, and thinking. But we do know that family is the backbone of God's society when it is gathered together with one heart and one soul, standing together for social, civil, economic, and education equality. Unity is not determined on whether you are poor or rich, a citizen or an immigrant or what you know or do not know in relation to education. But unity is coming together, building one another up in a body of Christ. This passage is beautiful. It shows selflessness. But when I read this passage, I'm afraid that what we are experiencing now in Georgia and nationwide is far from this unity. I'm afraid that there are still children hungry because their parents don't have enough money to pay rent and buy food. I'm afraid that some are still in patriarchal abusive relationships and institutions. I'm afraid that racism has overwhelmed the nation along with terrorist attacks, hate crimes, molestations, child cruelty, 
gang violence, killing, and hurting people because we are hurting as a nation. We hurt people because we are hurting. We do not know what else to do with our pain. We are far from this one heart and one soul that is described in this passage. We think and act like we got it all together when we don't. Yes, God calls us into unity in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But we are not unified. We are out of place right now. We are in need of wholeness. We are in need of healing. This second Sunday of Easter is a reminder that God is still up to something. God continues to call us into unity with one another in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We might not can solve all the inequalities in our universe, but we can at least solve the inequalities within our community as believers in the resurrection. It was not only God's power that allowed Jesus to rise up, but it was the oppression he endured that allowed him to stand and defeat death. Our experiences of oppression and those of our neighbors shall allow us to rise up and fight the good fight for their well-being. It was the bodily resurrection that appeared to Mary Madeline that causes us to fight against sexism and patriarchal structures. It was the resurrection that appeared to the disciples on the Emmaus road. They were leaving Jerusalem because they had lost hope in Jesus after his death. Jesus showed up to reassure them that all hope has not been lost. Jesus is reassuring us that although white supremacy discrimination, and all forms of oppression that are made into laws are strong, but I am stronger. It was the resurrection that appeared to Peter, the one who denied Jesus. This reappearance causes us to believe that there is forgiveness and unity. It was the resurrection that appeared to his disciples in the house. But Jesus had to come back for Thomas, the one who didn't believe. Jesus said, look, touch my hands and my side. This is I myself. This causes us to believe in what we cannot see. This resurrection does not merely call us to believe in it, but it causes us 
to become loyal to Christ. It wasn't until after the resurrection, the disciples fully realized that there is still more work to do. Yeah, it is the resurrection that moves us to go out and vote. It is the resurrection that compels us to give. It is the resurrection that causes us to love when we are hurting. Yeah, it is the resurrection that causes us to boldly speak against inhumanity. It is not so much about the death itself, but also the rising up from the tomb that causes us to care about human problems. The resurrection of Jesus Christ causes us to act in behalf of others, like the believers in Acts and those at the state capitol who put what they believe in into action. The Easter Sunday, the Easter season, is not about escaping the realities of the world, but fully emerging ourselves in it, getting messy with the goal of unifying ourselves in the body of Christ. The believers in Acts did so. So did the faith leaders and others at the state capitol. We too need to rise up and join them because we believe and desire to be loyal to the regenerated Christ who calls us all into unity. Amen.